I think there are some basic questions that have been asked by every human heart since the beginning of time. Why are we here? Um, Who put us here? Where are we going? Um, What is my purpose that I'm here? And often existential questions about life and evil and suffering and our kind of existence in this world. From City Life Church, I'm James Wright. This is Contrast Theory. All right, today I'm with Raquel Bizanella Duns, and I've just practiced about six times to say that name correctly. <laughs> um, she is currently studying a Master's of Divinity at MST and has done various other qualifications. She's also uh, currently a youth pastor here at City Life Church. Thank you for being here. No worries. Thanks for having me. It's good. That's all good. Uh, so today we want to talk about apologetics. Uh, for those who don't know, can you explain what the kind of overview of what apologetics is. Yeah, I mean, apologetics, I would say, is basically 101 sharing your faith and having a reason for your belief and your faith. Um, It's uh, connected so tightly with evangelism. Um, So often people offshoot apologetics to just a certain kind of academic group of people, um, but I actually believe that apologetics is something that each one of us can be a part of conversationally with people outside of our faith in our everyday journey of life. Okay, so it's uh, it's more about being able to explain why you believe what you believe. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So, have you found that very useful in your everyday life? Yeah, I have. I found that there's some tools and some strategy to apologetics that perhaps has helped me conversationally have these conversations um, where sometimes we feel inadequate to answer the questions that people are asking, um, but along the way it becomes simpler as we start to understand that there is reason and rationale for the things that we believe as Christians. And it's not simply, um, we often see faith as just this huge leap into the unknown without logic or reason. But the reality is there is a lot of logic and reason that is the basis of our faith, um, which I believe we can have solid foundation as we stand on as Christians um, to be able to go in with confidence to these conversations. Well, I know that a lot of Christians, when maybe questioned about their faith, may feel some sort of nervousness and anxiety and maybe a bit on the back foot. How, how do you go about being confident in your faith when speaking to people, when people ask you questions? Yeah, I think there are some basic questions that have been asked by every human heart since the beginning of time. And those questions don't change throughout the generations. They're the same ones. Why are we here? Um, who put us here? Uh, where are we going? Um, what is my purpose that I'm here? And often existential questions about life and evil and suffering and our kind of existence in this world and trying to travel through with hope. Um, so these are the kind of questions that aren't going anywhere. And so as um, even as an on-ramp of never being introduced to apologetics before, I think if you start of these places we can actually go from there and expand upon that place. Mm. So what would you say to someone who's looking for like a Apologetics 101 crash course? Where, where, would, you, where would you encourage them to start? Yeah, sure. I think um, as far as I, I, where I've learnt, um, I've learnt from lots of different various people and places, but I just always assume the position of someone who doesn't always know everything in the room. I'm not the the smartest person in the room. And so when I'm talking to someone um, opposite me, I'm giving credit where credit's due and and going, actually, I'm going to listen first and find out where this person's 
past has come from, what has shaped their world beliefs um, in order so that when the questions come back my way, I'm able to give a far better and targeted answer to their questions. So I would really say that listening to people, listening to their stories first is where, um, is the best place to start. Listen and ask them questions back. Well, it's, it's interesting. I find a lot of people are way too quick to listen to respond but mo- not maybe listen to empathise. And do you, mm. do you think that's where a lot of the kind of uh, core of apologetics probably starts, is, is empathising with the other person? A hundred percent. I think we need to love the person that's sitting right in front of us more than we love giving the answers um, ourselves. And this is where often apologetics draws um, and polarises the Christians quite quite to two extremes. Essentially, you're either in the camp where you offshoot it to the smart people to have these intellectual discussions or deeper discussions with people um, and you don't participate. Or you're so up the other end where you're so ready to give an answer for your faith that you don't actually stop to take the time to listen to the person in front of you and to be able to tailor your answers to fit the people in front of you. Mm. Do you find many examples in the Bible? Like, do you use uh, things from the Bible to try and explain your faith or do you use outside information to justify the Bible and your faith? Yeah, good question. Um, I would say um, the Bible is obviously the basis of what I believe and where I've arrived from, but we cannot use always the Bible to justify the Bible Mm. um, because people who are coming from worldviews outside of our faith um, aren't using our truth as the basis of their truth. And so we have to be more creative than just simply quoting scripture and expecting the person in front of us to accept that as truth. Um, so for me, I am. I do think broader. I think there's good examples of um, Paul in the Bible who talks about um, often being what the person in front needs, using language that the person in front of them will understand. And there's so much Christian lingo that often acts as a barrier, preventing people from even understanding what we're talking about. And so I start with what they know, start with where they're coming from. Um, And, you know, Paul in that time, he would quote philosophers that they would understand and he would appeal to their unknown God that they would worship. And so for us, I think for us as Christians, we need to have a broader mindset to think, actually, yes, the Bible is the basis of our truth, but we need to be more creative about how we can bridge the gap between those who don't accept it as their truth. So Paul is speaking in Athens and he he mentions about the inscription to the unknown God and then he kind of uses that to uh, appeal to their religious sense to kind of uh, argue for the the Christian God. So do you feel like there is a precedent for going to where people are and not waiting for them to come to you? Yeah, I think that actually Paul's a really great model of, of doing that. He, in this situation appealed to spirituality and a religiousness that was a part of the culture at the time. Um, And so in that, he appealed to something that was a common denominator. And so he found not what the point of difference, but he found a common denominator and established that first before then pointing out the difference of who the Christian God is in comparison to the other gods. So I think what he does is he doesn't stay in his place. I love that he was also in the marketplace. He was in the, um, the... philosophical epicentre of where learning, um, quotes, education, all of this was happening in this arena at the time. And so he was leaving the comfort of his church walls and um, where he would meet with his Christian friends and he'd actually leave and go out to this place 
to tell them about this other God. And I love it because in a real humble way, he's not just going out and just slamming them with the kind of information. Um, He's really meeting them with the language that they understand and the philosophers that they understand as Mm. well. How do you feel like the Western church is dealing with apologetics at the moment? Do you feel like we're doing an okay job or or do you think that it may be a, a place where the church is really lacking at the moment? Yeah, um, I feel like we've obviously we're in the Western Church. We've come out of the on the other side of a, an enlightenment, and we're in the postmodern, post-Christian society where people are really quite actually against the church and its religious structures and institutionalized understanding of Christianity. And so, I think we're in a unique moment to reform the way we have these discussions. And people I find in the Western culture actually very open spiritually, um, but not so open to the concept of religion. And that's where um, we need to approach it the way that they're open to receive it. And so finding different bridges in that sense where spirituality might be the connection point um, and finding different on-ramps, whether that means your own personal experience of, of connection with God um, or maybe it is from an intellectual point of view, it really is just being flexible to understand what the person needs. So if someone tells me they're an atheist, essentially I don't start by shooting off my um, intellect about science and religion and all of that. I really establish, well, are they an emotional atheist or are they an intellectual atheist? Maybe they've been established that God is... Um, cannot exist because of the pain and suffering they've felt in their life. So they can't equate God to that experience. And I'm going to approach that in a completely different way, um, understanding they're actually trying to wrestle with the fact that how can God exist when evil and suffering is in the world? Um, And does God care? And so that's completely different to someone who's an intellectual atheist and going, well, I'm actually in the field of science and I'm wrestling with evolution and creation theories and all of these sorts of things. And where does God fit in that space? So I think the, um, the Western church today essentially just needs to be flexible and allowing people with their level of openness to direct our response back. Mm. Do you think that um, science and religion are incompatible? I love this question. No, I don't actually at all. Um, I guess we've come out of an era where um, only in the last hundred years have we ever come to a point where God wasn't a part of the question. In centuries and um, years and years before that, God has always been a part of the question. When you look up to the heavens, you look up to the world, we see God in everything and a designer in everything. But um, essentially only in the last hundred years have we not seen that. And it's kind of the idea of the God, the God of the gaps. Where science couldn't provide answers at the time, we would fill God into that gap and say, no, um, weather patterns or seasons, it was reasons why um, there was droughts or et cetera like that. We'd say, oh, it was just God. And we, in our knowledge, has increased in the last hundred years. We've therefore said, no, God has decreased because of our knowledge. Um, but there are questions that I have found, regardless of where you arrive in science, science does not fully diminish the need for God. In fact, it doesn't have the answer to the questions such as um, morality, um, creation, um, where did every, the why behind the what mm. is. It's science is great at, at explaining the how, but not necessarily the why. 
That's right. I mean, it's really good at saying um, that there's a name for such a thing as gravity, um, but it's not talking about the why the gravitational pull holds us in the position that we are and that we are perfectly positioned and aligned so that we don't burn up from the sun and as planets. So it's, it just seems um, quite an extreme point to arrive where we say that science is the answer for all of our questions, where um, although there are gaps in our, in our knowledge of God and there are gaps in our knowledge of science, science ultimately will never overtake the gap that God can only fill in our questions. What do you think um, Christians' fear of science, well, not all Christians, but some Christians' fear of science has come from? Yeah, it's true. Um, I think that we've really, when we're reading the Bible, often often we approach it with an outcome that we've already decided in our head. And so in texts such as Genesis, where we've heard about a creation story and maybe in the past we've we've read those texts quite literally um, and different Christians will arrive at different points, whether that creation story is literal or whether it is metaphorical and a narrative explaining how God did it. I actually don't believe that it's paramount we know that. I think that God is bigger um, than that. And if he was the first creator, um, which we can see, but the time that that happened can be bigger than just the seven literal seven days as people have read it literally. So I think the fear comes from the unknown and we often find that we want to live with black and white yes or no truths and Christianity, as we mature and spiritually form, we realise that there's a lot of grey matter in between and we need to learn to live in the tension of the grey and not just have black and white answers. And I think it's put the rest of the world off when we as Christians try to give simplified answers to complex questions that deserve far more um, far, far more thought than what we often give. So I always, if I don't know the answer, simply reserving my right to not answer is actually sometimes the better thing to do than to do it no justice at all. Mm. So when it comes to creation, I think for us as um, Christians, being open-minded that um, science and religion do not need to oppose. In fact, God is the creator of the world, which we believe him to be. Um, God created science and those two are not in opposition. In fact, um, there are different Christians that would arrive at a theistic evolution, God um, starting the process of evolution to see what we've come at and also people who would believe in a literal seven-day creation, um, God being the initiator in both situations. So do you find maybe that it's it's less about the specific answers and maybe it's more that Christians are deeply uncomfortable with living in the grey? Yeah, I really feel that when we live in black and white extremes, we feel comfortable because it's very clear, clear lines are established. Um, and this is where we find often new Christians, when they stay in this space, they form their black and white answers quite early on. And as we spiritually form into maturity, we actually need to develop into living in the tension of the grey. Um, and that comes with time and discipleship and lifelong journey of living in those tensions. Do you think at the core of apologetics is more of a discipleship heart than just a simple question and answer? Yeah, I really, I really think that the best kind of apologetics is done alongside people over a long period of time. And as someone who perhaps is a pl- at a place that they don't have all the answers, we're looking to actually journey along someone, 
alongside someone who has more answers than we do ourselves personally, so that we're growing along that discipleship journey. But then I really believe that we're not just waiting until we arrive at a certain point before we can actually share with someone else and take someone else on that journey already. So as we are learning from someone further ahead in that journey, we're also taking somebody else along that as well. Mm. I would say that the best results when it comes to evangelism um, through apologetics is living a life that creates curiosity and that your life is mirrored in integrity, that what you say is what you live. And so I think people get curious when they journey alongside you enough that your life actually generates that curiosity. People will start asking the questions you want them to. Um, and that's an exciting, exciting journey. Mm. So just one final question. What do you think the, the church is doing well at the moment? What do you think we're actually succeeding in? I really think that um, we're really awakening to some of the issues of our generation and um, one of those being mental health and just actually just meeting people with real questions that they're asking. I think often as Christians, we're quick to give the the moral ways we want to see people live or um, all of this. But I really think that the people are asking questions and wanting answers to things that will meet them in everyday life. How do they do relationships well? How do they... Um, yeah, how do they journey through this process of figuring out their mental health and um, arriving at a place where they are able to live their best life? So I think the church is just awakening to the fact that people are asking this stuff and um, and from our pulpits, from our um, messages, our podcasts, all this stuff that we would be addressing the things that they're actually asking instead of our ready-made answers, ready to go. Um, so I think I think we're fu- we're waking up. So if people would uh, love to find out more about this, uh, are there any sort of resources that you would recommend? Yeah, for sure. Um, I would say that there are many things that you can go and research more into this. I did something that over a 12-week period of time, which is good over the summer summertime actually, um, was I did a Ravi Zacharias um, Academy, so RZIM Academy, which was the best of people who are the best thinkers, intellects um, in fields of science, religion, ethics, um, theology, all of these areas, the best of the best that are on resource um, online. And so I really got equipped and upskilled over many various disciplines um, over a 12-week period of time, which helped me a lot. Um, There are also some some great books. I mean, C.S. Lewis is a, is a great writer. Um, there's another book called A Shot of Faith to the Head, um, which sounds quite full on. Um, but there, yeah, there's heaps and heaps of writers. Um, Lee Strobel writes A Case for Christ. Um, depending on what you're looking for, um, your local Christian seller, Kurong, <laughs> would love this or plug. Word, word bookstore. Word bookstore. We also fully support them. Um, but yeah, there's heaps, heaps of resources out there, endless. Um, so Michael Ramson, if you're looking for a really good um, on-ramp to easily understand in everyday language, Michael Ramson does some great YouTube videos as well that you can have a listen to on various topics. Well, Raquel, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, best of luck for the rest of the year. I know working with teenagers can be very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Always is. <laughs> Always good fun, though. Uh, best of luck on your Masters, and I uh, can't wait to have you back. Thanks, James. It's been awesome. Thanks. For more information and resources, check out the show notes for today's episode. <laughs>